Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, podcasters, podcasters. to your one-stop spot for all things fitness, food, and fighting. Team unearth the goods from the canvas inside the ring, and what it takes to be at your best in the kitchen. How to keep yours clean? Nutrition is key. Heavyweights in their respective fields know knowledge is power. Food for thought, adept at how to prep, how to get that goal, how to set that bar right, right. What's fit for the soul? It's seldom we think what is missing to accomplish the best way to living. Team on Earth, not remiss in their approach to their passions. Tune in to the podcast. It's lights, camera, action. Hey everyone, it's the boys from the Unearth Podcast and we're actually one hombre down today. Uh, I've got Josh here with myself, Tommy Boyle, and uh, we've lost to Karim. <laughs> and then I realised my wolf pack had shrunk to two. Oh, and, and it was the worst, the worst wolf pack ever. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Karim's uh, obviously had his birthday yesterday and uh, he's a little bit... Uh, under the weather today and probably didn't get enough of what we're going to talk about and uh, we're going to delve deep into the sleep oh i didn't even mean to make that wrong <laughs> and um we're going to be covering it from different angles and talk about how important it is and uh give you some fun facts and all the bits and pieces and i'm going to give you over to josh and he is going to kick this off yeah cool thanks tom so i guess um We've got a few different areas to cover when it comes to sleep. Um, I reckon some of the some of the easy tips I'll just open up with, and then we can delve a bit deeper into some of those. So, obviously, you know, eat lightly before bed. Don't have a massive meal, and then try to go to sleep. Um, build a sleep schedule. Something that's that's something people really don't do enough of. So, um, it's getting a sort of routine together before you go to sleep. So doesn't really matter what it is. If it's, you know, brush your teeth, have a glass of water next to your bed, make sure that that pillow is blocking that last bit of light through the curtains or whatever it is, just get into that routine. And then um, it just helps signal your body, get ready for sleep. Um, your circadian rhythm just loves routine. So try to wake up within a 30, 60 minute window each day, um, including the weekends as well. Some people just go right out on the weekend, takes them another three days to get back on a good routine, they have two good sleeps, and then they're back to the weekend again. Um, if you are going to nap 10, 20 minutes max, um, unless you're going to be able to commit for 90 minutes plus so you can get a full REM cycle in, otherwise you're going to wake up just feeling more groggy than when you went to sleep. Mm, I was never good at the napping. I was always like an hour and a half, hour and a half at least, which is basically, is basically a sleep. There's an art to it, definitely. You've got to practice. I take up uh, term two sessions. We'll start in two weeks, and I'll be oh, practicing yeah. on a you're Sunday you're afternoon. The, you're the king of the king of the nap nap city. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's some of your your basic tips. I think people need to understand. And then, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about blue light blocking. Um, where that specific glasses, or you put a blue light blocker on your phone. Um, that blue light will stop melatonin release, which is a hormone that actually helps sedate you and put you asleep and get you that quality sleep. So we'll talk a bit about that as well. Uh, nicotine's a stimulant. So having a cigarette before you go to sleep is just the complete wrong thing to do, really. <laughs> or, or quit smoking in general. That would probably help too. Yeah, it's probably good for you. 
<laughs> um, limit caffeine intake. So caffeine is going to have an eight-hour half-life. So that's an easy one. Try and just cut that off by, you know, around lunchtime. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they're a few of the basic tips. We'll delve a bit deep into those as we go through. But, um, yeah, tell us about lucid dreaming we are talking about before we got on the podcast, Tom. Oh, yeah, I was doing a bit of... Um... Uh, a bit of research and I, I stumbled across something that probably a lot of people have heard of and that's uh, the lucid dreaming, which is basically, it's like the concept of inception, right? You ever seen that movie? And yeah. it's basically being able to be almost fully aware or fully aware and being able to recall or to know that you're dreaming while you're dreaming. Isn't that a bit freaky? So it's it's basically like for a lot of people who like to smoke some DMT or something like that and <laughs> take themselves to another planet, you can do this naturally in your sleep. And now apparently only there's roughly only 20 to 30% of the population of the world that can actually lucid dream, which I thought was a pretty interesting fact. Is that that they can do it or that they have the capacity? Or that, they, that, they, that they, they either have or can. Oh, yeah. Right? And so, like, there's some interesting things where um, – there's some interesting things where they've done some studies. They've done some studies on, on lucid dreaming and, and basically figured out, it was the first sort of conclusive studies they'd done, it was done in 2012, where they used a, like a machine, almost like probably like a CAT scan or something like that, and it measured the rate of blood flow to parts of the brain um, while someone was sleeping to different parts. And so the way they actually quantified it was that they'd, they'd said to someone, like, clench your fist, right, while they're awake and, and seen the part of the brain that, that lit up when, when they gave that command. And so essentially they told these people through a, a series of, of actions and go, okay, we want you to focus on, on being aware of your dreams and doing all this, like, very mental prompts. And they were able to map out that different parts of the brain lit up um, while these people were sleeping in a lucid dreaming state. So what, what they were actually, the interesting thing about that is that they were basically saying that if they were dreaming it like as a lucid dream, they were essentially doing that task. That's interesting. Which is very interesting. interesting. And they said that some people who said that, well, they actually said they got mental illnesses, but they said that some people couldn't, the dream was so vivid, they then couldn't decide what was reality and what was dream. Okay, because because of the effect it has on the brain, and and, and essentially what, um, you know, like you're going through the activity whilst not actually physically going through the activity, but your brain is creating that, which I thought was like pretty, pretty much the the plot line of Inception, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they got so deep into these dreams that they um, couldn't determine, you know, the fabric of what was reality and what wasn't because it felt, looked, and everything was all the same. Well, you know, when you're, um, when you're in a REM sleep, so rapid eye movement, so when you're in your deep sleep, and that's where you're going to be having your dreams, your body actually releases a chemical that essentially paralyzes you to stop you then acting out your dreams. So that's why with people that sleepwalk and stuff, that process is a little bit broken for them, so it doesn't always work, so that's why they, they sleepwalk. So um, with the lucid dreaming is an interesting blend of that if they were a, a sleepwalker. <laughs> oh, yeah, because really they're performing, performing the actions. And then, you know, but that's why they say, and it's like it, there can be some mental illness or breakdown. 
And what what I actually thought was it was pretty crazy that there was a company that invented a product for people to take to assist them in lucid dreaming. That's interesting. So basically, yeah, the premise of it was that you, like it was it was funny because I think it was kind of based on almost like the Matrix, right? Because um, blue pill. The, yeah, it was a red pill and a blue pill, and um, they took a blue pill before bed. And they woke up four hours later and then took the red pill and then nothing would happen for the first two or three nights. And then on the fourth, fifth and sixth night, and from as long as they were taking it, they were lucid dreaming. I had a guy in an alleyway tell me the same story. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty insane. <laughs> <laughs> Was his name Morpheus? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, take this pill, you wake up in six days. Yeah, we're in the Matrix, man. <laughs> Now I've only got one kidney. Yeah, exactly. And a sore and a sore booty hole. <laughs> yeah, but I, I actually thought I thought that was pretty um like the the science is out on the product stuff. What they're saying is that like it's um it's they they're trying to stimulate some neurotransmitters and whatnot. Or it could just be the fact that you're waking up four hours after you go to bed and then taking this pill and going to sleep. Could be the process of waking up and then going back to sleep. Yeah, the no, stimulation exactly. of the mind. I mean, if you could truly get control of that, you could do anything. You know, you go to sleep and then just fly around the world. Yeah, but uh, they, there was some some sort of uh, rhetoric in that it, they're throwing it out that it could be almost that the people that can do it is like the next evolution, right? In that um, having that more cognitive awareness even when you're in a, a state of sleep is allowing them to expand the horizons of their minds. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no, you know, laws of physics when you're in a dream state. Oh, exactly, exactly. But, yeah, completely, it's a random fact, but and it's got nothing to do with sleep quality or sleep, you know, in, in regards to training or fighting or whatever. But I just thought that's a pretty pretty amazing thing. To um to be able to do because yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost a natural it's a natural high it's a natural euphoria isn't it yeah well, it's like um there's a movie out at the moment called Ready Player One and basically they have a, a simulator and they live in this alternate reality and then no one gives gives a shit about the real world because they always want to go to this you know alternate reality this dream space so I wonder if we became so good at lucid dreaming we wouldn't give a shit about when we're awake we just want to get back into a dream state. And then it makes you wonder when people get upset about drug use with LSD and acid and whatnot, <laughs> whether whether or not that's any better or different to someone who's trying to live in a virtual world or a alternate reality. No, it's definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, come on, man. One takes some acid. <laughs> yum, yum, Timmy, the heroin addict is just a really deep guy. But it's it's challenging the fabric of what's real and what's not. You know what I mean? And that's that's the thing I took away from that Ready Player One was that the yeah, you know, an off topic, but the alternate reality or the virtual reality where you can create and design it to your will with ease is more desirable than the reality you're in now. Well yeah, exactly. I mean if we define reality as what we can touch, smell you know, like they talk about in the Matrix, all those sort of things, and we can then mimic that in another state. That is essentially just as real. 
mate, I didn't realise we were just so philosophical. We are deep. <laughs> I'm so deep I can feel the vibrations in Jamaica. <laughs> you've, you've been eating that cactus in South America, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, exactly. I went to one of them ayahuasca ceremonies. I knew it. Uh, and now I'm deep as shit. <laughs> well, look, let's let's get back on topic and um, get out of dreamland. And, um, like, obviously, I, I think I come from the background where I used to think sleep was for suckers, you know. I got sucked into all that motivational stuff and um, didn't really value the importance of the sleep until I ended up in hospital. And, um, like, I now sleep very easily, very deeply, and I enjoy my six or seven hours because I don't really like to sleep longer than that. But what is your what is your feeling, Josh, on what's important for sleep, like how much we need, what's the best way to do it, what's the benefits? Well, I mean, every benefit, we would die without sleep. But, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly – I was talking to someone about this the other day. I'm constantly torn between – the motivational entrepreneurial speakers and everything like that, where they're like, fuck sleep. I'm just here to grind. I'm here to make money. I want to expand my horizons. And then on the other side, I've got the health and wellness gurus that are like, it's essential. You know, you got to appreciate every day, take in the day, get quality sleep. Like, so I'm constantly torn between the two. So for me, the happy medium of course, is then, um, as far as the health fitness side of things, I, um, I try to get the quality of sleep if I'm not going to be giving myself, you know, seven, eight hours. If I can get six and a half, seven, um, maybe get a 20, 15-minute nap two or three times a week, that keeps me pretty level, works quite well. I feel good in the mornings and I can build that into a routine. The trick is not just getting five hours a couple nights then a couple nights getting 10. It's got to be consistent if you're going to do that and you will then build the quality. Yeah, I don't. I can't really say I like sleeping for a long time. <laughs> well, if I sleep for if I sleep for past eight hours, I wake up feeling groggy, like I had a big night out on the booze. Yeah, my back tends to just um, tends to kill if I'm in bed too long. Because if you when you're laying flat, right, your spine straightens out. Yeah, and I I need my hunch. <laughs> <laughs> Because you can't ring the bell in the tower properly without it. Exactly. You know, I've got kids to feed. All right, that's my job. I'll have to chuck you on my inversion table when you wake up in the morning. Stretch you back out. Oh, well, I think it's a hangover from the Thai boxing, Thai boxing days with the rounded shoulders and the, you know, squeezing your ab muscles together and you look like, you look like you're fucking part scorpion. And, um, you know, now that's carried on to terrible posture, but... The longer I'm in bed, like, the worse I feel. But I find my happy medium is anywhere sort of between five, between five and seven hours. Yeah. Yeah, so I think five's probably on the slow end. Six, mm. you're, six you're getting probably three good REM cycles in, and that's, you know, probably what you need. There's a lot of people that will sleep for nine hours, wake up feeling like shit. And that's, um, I'll talk about that a bit after, but that's basically your cortisol and melatonin hormones just having a shitty dance. So um, the stress hormone release is just not letting them release enough melatonin. So basically, they're, they're essentially they're not conscious. It's like when you sleep on an international flight. You might not have been conscious, but you definitely don't wake up feeling well-rested. No, no, 100%. So that's where the, the quality over the quantity sometimes 
So having, you know, four hours might not be enough, but someone who's having shit, a shit eight hour sleep is not enough either. So, um, yeah, true. And what I, what I've found too is because I've been, I've been monitoring my sleep, um, every night with that sleep cycle app. Yeah. And I've just been kind of, um, interested looking at like, cause it gives you almost like a sleep quality. Gives you sleep quality because it, it maps out how you move in your bed and, and all that sort of stuff. It even records me when I snore um, every now and then. Midnight and, farts. No, no, no. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God it doesn't do that. <laughs> Use the smellometer. Um, but no, it's, it's, I'm getting, you know, some nights I've had 51% sleep quality, you know, and I've had like longer hours of sleep. And then nights I've had like six hours, I've been up at like eighty one percent. Yeah, and what I, what I actually figured out from all of that was it was part of my sleep, my process for when I, before I went to bed. Okay, is where I, I know, is whereas where I noticed, you know. Yeah. Right. Uh, we're not really sure what happened then. We just got kicked off our system, but we're back. I think it's because I'm black. That's why. Yeah, that's I why think... I hung on for a while because yeah. You know, yeah, it was um, anchor was being culturally sensitive, and then it just just like, hey, <laughs> this guy's black. But we're back, thank, thanks to white privilege. So we're we're good again. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, a bit of a change of pace. So we're just going to talk about some different herbs and things you can do to um, improve your sleep, help release your melatonin, and put you in a relaxed state, and improve the quality of your sleep. So you some say of the, the the herbs, the herbs. The herbs. Herb Gatti. All right. Let's go. Um, valerian is probably one of my favorite ones. Um, you can wake up feeling a little bit. So it's valerian root. You can wake up in the morning feeling a little bit groggy, but it will definitely help put you to sleep. Uh, passion flower is another one you can get. Um, magnesium before bed can help some people as well. Carver stress relief tea. It's kind of like chamomile on steroids. So that um, that'll definitely relax you and help you fall asleep as well as obviously chamomile. Um, I generally try to get people to stay away from your heavy sleep tablets. It's like we are talking before about when people sleep on planes, you're not really sleeping. You're kind of, you're not really conscious, but you're not getting that quality sleep. So people become dependent on that and it just ends up having all sorts of problems. Oh, I, used um, to feel, I used to feel terrible in the morning too. Yeah. Like, like you've been on the beers all night. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and you pay for that. What's the point of that? Mm. Um, and melatonin so you can actually get melatonin in a supplement form so I would suggest starting on maybe about 3 milligrams um, you can then get them in 3 milligram like little tablets they're tiny little thing and you could have up to 10 milligrams a night and then um, I still don't like people to build a dependence on that so I would maybe 3 or 4 nights a week max and then just see how your body responds but that can help as well, especially if you're changing time zones and flying a fair bit. Just help your circadian rhythm just get back in sync. Um, and they'd be, they'd be your main ones as well. So like we were saying before, anyone who does um, want to actually learn a bit more about this, really good website is arianahuffington.com. So A-R-I-A-N-A Huffington, H-U-F-F-I-N-G-T-O-N.com. And... Um, which is about the sleep revolution. There's a questionnaire on there and that'll give you another 12 tips in depth. Um, Isn't that even... the lady that owns the Huffington Post? Yeah, yeah. So she's, um, 
sort of thing called Thrive, where um, she's just fully into sleep. She's got books on it and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, bit of a guru. Mm. And then um, also a guy called Dave Asprey, who is founder of um, the Bulletproof Diet and Bulletproof Coffee, most people would have heard of by now. Um, on there, there's a PDF on his website, so bulletproof.com, called How to Hack Your Sleep. And um, they also have an, a sub called Sleep Mode. It's got some good ingredients to help you actually get a good night's sleep. But um, how to hack your sleep, there's some good stuff as far as the nutrition and the good habits. So, yeah, a bit of light reading for some of you. Let's talk, keep talking about subs for a sec. I, you ever like tried that GH Blast? And um, oh, there was a few other. Um, That's the old Dorian Yates one? Yeah, yeah. Like, that used to ruin me. It would yeah, like put, was, um, put you into a coma. They're not, people aren't that big on all the sleep subs at the moment, but they were massive about, what was that, about four, four, six years ago? Yeah, or even as yeah, well, yeah, three or four years ago. It's, yeah, it's sort of um, it was incredible, like how many people were buying them. But when I tried it, because when I was fighting and stuff like that, like sore all the time, you overactive brain, everything like that. Take a bit of that, and you would just pass out within twenty minutes. You know, like well, I think, I think a lot of that is um. Uh, kind of like a knee-jerk reaction to the types of stimulants that were in pre-workouts and fat burners at the time. So that kind of comes back to the, uh, I guess, that, that cortisol melatonin dance we're talking about. So basically, people are just flushing their body with all these higher stimulants. So they're just adrenaline through the body. The cortisol's in, trying to help clean all that shit up, and then you're not releasing melatonin. So then you can't actually get to sleep because you just... So then we're taking sleep supplements to just override that system. So I think the reason we saw so much of those sleep products is because everyone was just on these crazy high stims. Like these, all these stims are actually banned in Australia now that we were using four years ago. So they're on mm. these really high potent stims and they're just absolutely jacked. So they were um, like geranium and stuff like that. So they're basically one or two molecules away from being meth. A couple scoops of meth and have a good training session, but then you're not going to be able to get to sleep. <laughs> And then you need to take the uh, powdered equivalent of um, ganja to um, to get yourself out of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like an uppers and downers type cycle. I remember some of those um, like those pre workouts and stuff. It would give me anxiety, so I would um, I feel like my heart rate was erratic, and then I just feel anxious. And like I never feel anxious, and I just remember like just feeling real negative about the world. So I'd have like a good training session for like thirty minutes, and then I'd be depressed for three hours. It's not a very good trade off. Oh, no, it was like someone brought uh, DMA powder into the gym. Is that, um, yep. that's the stuff, the active ingredient they had in a lot of those stim, stim um, like pre workouts? Yes. And so um, it was just one, a brute. comma three dimelephalene or something. Yeah. And we had one, it was like a teaspoon of that, and I was mangled for two days. Um, I, it was like a bad dream. Yeah. You were lucid yeah. dreaming. Yeah. I, and I don't know if I'm in the real world at Nat right now. Yeah, you took the blue pill. That's the problem. Yeah. Oh, who am I? What am I about? Why am I here? <laughs> so, yeah, look, back, obviously back to sleep. Um, there obviously is, the supplements are just there to aid, are there to aid sleep. But really the important things are probably the process in which you go through and then what you're eating and drinking throughout the day. Definitely. So it all comes back to having, you know, having a good 
nutrition system, having a good, you know, hydration system, making sure, you know, everything is fairly structured. Yeah, and I, I think it's that balance as well. So it's, you know, you want a room that's in a temperature of about 18 to 21 degrees. That's going to be your ideal temperature for a good night's sleep. But don't have it at five degrees, some arctic temperatures. So, And then you want to be hydrated enough that you're not waking up thirsty and dehydrated as you go to sleep. But at the same time, you don't want to consume two litres of water before you go to sleep. So it's all about that balance and that timing. And then people have to find what, what works for them. You know, some people require, for like my sister example, my youngest sister, yeah, probably could, could sleep 10 to 12 hours every night, no worries, and, and be right as rain. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I can't remember the last time that I'd slept until lunchtime or at one o'clock. And then the other day, my niece gets out of bed at bloody three. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I would feel like shit if I slept in past even 10 a.m. Yeah. Is there, like, obviously, as we get older, um, we need less and less sleep? Or do Uh, we sleep sleep in different patterns? Not really. We don't need less. We just probably do less. Or we probably become better at running off less. Yeah. So, basically... uh, your, your circadian rhythm repeats every 24 hours, so it just runs in the sleep cycle. So on a breakdown of that, so circadian is Latin, so circa is around, and diem or dies means day. So it means about a day, 24 hours. Um, at about 11 p.m. for most people, you actually get a cortisol surge to keep you awake. So if you're deciding you're going to be awake and you're not relaxing or anything and it gets past 11 p.m., you actually get a cortisol surge. So they're the people like, oh, you know, I couldn't get to sleep till two in the morning and things like that. So some people say, you need quality of sleep before midnight. So if you get to sleep at 10, it's going to be better. And some people say, oh, it doesn't make a difference. I think that has a lot to do with how they monitor their, um, or how their body handles their melatonin release. So it's just another interesting one as well. But um, I don't think you need less as you get older. I think we can become less active. That makes sense. So, yeah, our skeletal muscle tissue isn't as broken down, so it doesn't have to repair as much. So, basically, all it does is just reset our nervous system and archive our thoughts for the day, and then wake us back up. Well, you know, it's it's. I'm just looking at um, a, a cool little graph here on um, different sort of famous people through history and how their sleeping patterns probably differed to what we're saying. You got Edison. And there was. Now, yeah, Edison, but Winston Churchill, he was, uh, he'd sleep, he'd both go to bed at 3 a.m. and wake up at 6, or sorry, 8 in the morning. And, then he, would, and then he would have a nap in the afternoon from about 4 to 6.30. It's a solid nap. It's a solid nap. Have you got uh, Da Vinci's up there? That's probably the most interesting one. It's called Genius Sleep. Yeah, he'd take 20-minute naps every four hours. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, I wouldn't recommend that if you want to live past sixty. But um, basically, he wasn't repairing. As after another technical difficulty, I don't know what Anchor's doing because it's probably us. <laughs> it's a shipwreck. So where we're at just before we were rudely interrupted by this stupid app was Vinci. We were talking about Da Vinci sleeping only. 20 minutes every four hours.
That's a solid effort. There's some other pretty interesting ones here too. Um, current times, Donald Trump only sleeps three hours a night. And doesn't have a butthole because he doesn't need a poop because he works too hard. Exactly. Or is that, like, is that like Kim, Kim Jong-un? I think that's Kim Jong-un. <laughs> uh, three hours is not adequate. I, oh, I don't know how much I believe about that. Margaret Thatcher sleeps four hours a night. That's not a lot. Imagine how much day you have left after that. 20 hours to knit. Yeah. Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Benjamin Franklin. He was probably a bit more reasonable, but he was famous for early to bed, early to rise, even though he went to bed at 10 and woke up at 4 a.m. That's all right. That's about me. I just go to bed about 11, wake up at 5. So me and Benny yeah. got it got going. Yeah. You guys know what's up. <laughs> oh, Barack. Barack wasn't a massive sleeper. He'd go to sleep at 1 and get up at 7. I think it's um if you want to become the president of America, it's mandatory that you're an insomniac by the sounds of it. Oh mate, it would probably, oh, that would be the worst job in the world. <laughs> I would I would rather do anything but that. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot. Maybe like cleaning up um elephant pool enclosures would be pretty shit as well. Oh yeah, true. But so have you seen Dirty Jobs? Oh yeah, that was that show on Discovery, hey? Yeah, so any of those jobs as well, they wouldn't be good. Well, it was funny. I had um, my old man, and it's completely off topic, but my old man said that they're doing this basketball tournament and they're trying to get people to go to it. It's in Cooper Pedy. And I said, I would almost consider, like it was that you two nights in Cooper Pedy, blah, blah, blah. And I actually said, I would almost consider eating dried dog shit before I decided to drive to Cooper Pedy for two nights to come back. <laughs> uh, to all uh, our Cooper Pedy listeners, yeah. we love you. I don't like Cooper Pedy, but I've got no issues or qualms with the people of the place. But it's pr- probably one of the shittest places in the world. <laughs> no problems with the people. It's just the place. Yeah, it's it's not it's not your clothes. It's your soul. It's, yeah, I don't like your soul. And that's saying something because I'm in Alice Springs. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back on topic. Enough about eating crap and all that. Um, so we've covered a whole a whole range of stuff on on like lucid dreaming, getting good night's sleep, different sleeping patterns, and um, and the like. What do you think is the effect, positive, negative, or like how we weigh up the effects on training performance and the stuff that we're all about for optimal performance regarding sleep? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. So like, let's say we've got an athlete who. Like, I know when I was training, you know, and I was 100% dedicated to, to my craft, I was – sleep at night was important and so was my nap during the day. Um, but what is what is the research out there for the optimal sleeping patterns for athletes? Like, are we talking lots of sleep or uh, – They're all different. There was – um during, like, the Australian Open and American Open and stuff, there's a – I can't remember his name right now, but he's a – uh, one of the pro players, and they'll be playing, you know, the five-hour games, you know, multiple times that week. When he would come over to, say, Australia, he would rent two houses next to each other. One his family would stay in. The other one he would stay in, and he would sleep for 12 hours a night. 
So this isn't this isn't his daily regime. This is just when he's you know during the tournaments and stuff. He's just running twelve hours sleep. So then you get um I don't know. Then I guess it depends if you're a an endurance athlete as well. So if you're running a marathon, I think it's going to be quite different to the hundred meter sprinter. You know, I mean, a hundred meter sprinter might be nervous and barely sleep the night before. So it, yeah, I think it, it depends a lot on what you're doing. But I do think having a little bit more sleep than you need is not going to be detrimental, but not having enough could be detrimental to your performance. Could we, could we make a blanket statement and say that um, like athletes need more sleep than normal people? Yeah, we need more recovery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So and the, high and the optimal time high for recovery vehicle yeah. needs more more mechanic service than you know a little runaround does. So it's going to have more issues. It's going to have, you know, muscle tissue issues. Um, the body's working a lot harder in every aspect. So it takes a lot longer to recover and repair it. And that's what happens when we sleep. So when we, when we do resistance training, we're essentially doing all these little micro tears and through proper nutrition and adequate sleep while we sleep, we then repair that. So um, an athlete's going to always need more than, you know, Nonna after a whole day of doing nothing about baking a, you know, some cookies. She's probably cool off five hours. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, on average, I think oh, it's a pretty big window, but I'd say seven to ten hours depending on the person and the activity that they're performing. Sweet. And what um, – let's take that a little bit further and let's – what's the effects if we don't get enough sleep? Uh, so I remember we... reading an article on this a few years back, so um, – pretty vague with the stats but they had something like 24 hours with no sleep is similar to a blood alcohol level of 0.15 or something so they actually um australian government of course were actually talking about finding people for being too tired they're trying to work out a way of doing that and it's like the way of how would you regulate that so you have a big shift as a doctor and then you're not allowed to drive home because you're tired so you could never you could never enforce that we'll, we'll have autonomous cars before they work out how to enforce that but um Basically, yeah, the science is that if you can, you're a certain certain amount of drowsiness or sleep deprivation is actually equivalent to a certain blood alcohol reading that would actually be illegal. No. Yeah, so you know, I mean, it makes sense not to, you know, for the, you know the protection of everyone else and yourself. If you are in that sort of state, you know, even a um, twenty minute little nap. I mean, they've got the signs everywhere when you're on the country roads power naps and everything so yeah those um those power naps are so hard while you're driving though i tell you yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to stay on the road during a i just I, I just love how full-on they are like drowsy sleep now and you're like what <laughs> like, i actually wow. saw one um on the way because i went to kangaroo island on tuesday and when i was heading out there there was one that just said drowsy drivers die i'm like whoa this yeah. is just blunt yeah it's like like them ones they had in South Australia for um for the like all oh, the seatbelts and the speeding. It was like don't be a knob, and they just had a picture of a doorknob. Yeah, it's like don't be a knob, slow down, or don't be a. It was like a rooster, so don't be a cock. <laughs> or their W and an anchor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're not subliminal at all. I, I reckon a three-year-old understands what they're saying. Yeah, true. <laughs> Um, I'm just reading some uh, interesting facts about chronic sleep deprivation. So in the military, 
or no, just just in general. Okay. So apparently, it actually increases your um, the likelihoods of heart failure, stroke, diabetes, high blood pressure. Um, it can cause obesity, depression, and the lower sex drive. We don't want that. And essentially, it leads to like because as you get more cortisol, apparently, from your body being stressed, um, it increases aging. So not only do you feel like shit, you'll probably look like an old bag of shit too. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, that comes back to that, you know, the, the dance between your cortisol and your melatonin release. So you can kind of perpetuate those situations as well because you become in a, I guess, an erratic stress state. And it just gets exasperated the more and more tired you get until you actually get proper sleep, try and reset that circadian rhythm. So that's why I think people just fall into those bad cycles. I think a lot of people that um, probably do suffer from bouts of insomnia are probably quite stressed as well. I mean, there's certain clinical reasons for some people, but I think a lot of them, they focus on some breathing techniques, meditation, got a proper you know, sleep cycle routine, and um, even just took some you know, melatonin in sub form would probably notice a massive difference. Isn't melatonin also in um, vitamin D? Isn't it like in the sun? Does the sun give you melatonin? No, uh, yeah, yeah, but no, it's different. So um, the sun gives you vitamin D. Mm. If um, So there's more melanin in your skin if uh. you're a darker person. So that's why, um, say, someone with darker skin won't burn as easy as me, who's like half Dutch and Irish, because I don't have as much melanin in my skin. Yeah, that's why I'm confused. Melanin and melatonin. Yeah. I don't black don't crack, baby. I I know that. I should I should know this. Yeah, you don't burn. You just get tan. I don't ever get burned. I just get blacker. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. So we've covered a lot of. Um... A lot of topics there on, on, on sleep and um, what people should do to, to get the best sleep and um, get a psychedelic sleep and, you know, sleep for training and everything like that. What's your uh, final thoughts, Yoshi, on on a bit of a rundown or a summary of uh, what people can do to get the best out of their sleep? Uh, all right. I think if um, we'll just break it down into, say, like, you know, the night before going to sleep and the morning of, okay? So um, ideally, you don't smoke cigarettes. You limit your alcohol intake. You eat lightly before bed, preferably finish eating two, three hours before you go to sleep. Um, you're going to be going to sleep at a similar time every night. Um, even if you have some sort of herbal tea, um, it could be like chamomile, carver stress relief tea, as we are talking about before. I've actually got like a relaxing tea I can use um, sometimes if I feel like I'm a bit more wound up. Um, and then have your normal routine. So whether that be, you know, wash your face, brush your teeth, put a glass of water next to your bed, any of those things. I like to get my clothes out the night before and I have them just next to my towel rack so I don't wake Bianca up when I have a shower in the morning and head off to work. Um, and then you're going to go to sleep in a room that's probably around – 18 to 21 degrees uh, it's going to be as dark as possible in that room if you're playing on your phone leading up to that time you had the blue light blocker on it um, then hopefully you have a good sleep throughout that night especially if you've ticked all those boxes I reckon you've got a pretty good chance 
then you're going to wake up around the same time each day. So within a 60 minute, 30, 60 minute window. So if I usually get up at five on the weekend, I'll try and get up at six, six thirty. Or if I get up at five 30, I'll try and get up at six 30. So I'm never really shifting that cycle too much. And then, um, then when I wake up, I don't get on my phone for the first thing. I try and just go back into that routine. I actually have a little bit of Himalayan sea salt and lime and a little shot of that, which is, um, good immune support has it a few other health benefits as well we'll talk about that another time then i'll drink about half a liter of water and then have a shower and then just go into the process of starting my day so i think that as a whole will probably be miles ahead of what a lot of people are doing and i think if you could develop some of those habits i think you um, improve quality of sleep and that's not talking about like you know your bed linen and things like that and having a proper like a good mattress um you know, we can talk about that another time. But, yeah, I think that's a bit of an overview. So in layman's terms, a well-planned-out sleep is a happy sleep, which is a happy life, which is a happy person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like they say, happy sleep, happy wife. Exactly. And if you're sick of people telling you, oh, did you get much sleep last night? You look like shit. You don't have to deal with that anymore because you're going to look fucking tip top when you wake up because you listen to Josh and you listen to me and you got the best sleep ever. Unless you got one of those really shit faces, then you just look less shit. But yeah, well then, then you're still a little shit. You're going to have to iron your face out in the morning before you go to work, all right? Get your beauty regime, but that's another episode altogether. Easy. Well, um, we don't have cream here. So, Tom, you're going to have to tell a joke. I put you on the spot. I didn't give you a heads up. Oh, God. Nah, I've got nothing. Nothing? I've got nothing. Uh, Nothing nothing PG-13. All of mine are racist. All right, here we go. um, I'm Googling. We've got to get a joke. We can't have no joke. I Googled terrible joke. What does a vegetarian zombie eat? Oh, no. It's just like Grains. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so that's bad. so good. bad. It's so bad, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, you've been listening to the Unearthed Podcast. I am Tom. Josh. And he is Josh. And we will see you next time when we're going to talk about my jam, which is fighting. Biatch. Kung Fu, mainly Kung Fu, because he's Kung Fu fighting. Whoa!